All right, Jabosai, good morning. Let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsor, Atamotora Sponsors, for the month of Teves. To thank Yola and Sarah Kelman for dedicating all the Shuman Joshos this month in honor of the birth of their daughter, Oriya Tahal that all of those davening for this special bracha should have their tulos answered bekarov. To thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating all the Shurman Shoshos this month in honor of their grandchildren, Adin Svi and Naftali Moshe. And to thank Shirley Elbaum and family for dedicating the Shurman and Shoshos this month, the commemoration of the yard site of Jerry Elbaum, Yaakov couple, Ben Rabav Rama Menachem. To thank our day of learning spot, excuse me, sponsor Susan Hoffman in commemoration of the yard site, of her grandfather's yard site, Baruch Ben Moshe Zalman. And to thank Fran Hisler for the dedication of the Day of Learning. Le'ilu'i Nishmas, her beloved father, Avram Ben Sender Vemalka, on the occasion of his 20th yard site. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, all of the Nishamas will have an aliyah and the families a nechama. And I'll say with that, let us begin. We have a very exciting, very exciting daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is your test, 19. We are picking up on Yudchas Amad Bey's 18b. We're actually picking up at the Tanra Banon, right across from Tosfus Can Consume. Right across, okay, I'll go quickly. Tanra Banon, Hishmit Basofra Osios Opsukim Vikaran Akore, Kimitorgam and Avatargim Yatsa. So it's an interesting case. Well, we'll have to define exactly what it means. But if the Sofer went ahead and Hishmit literally means either he left out or he messed up, write either words or Psukim. And therefore, again, the Balkore of the Megillah. Read them kimiturgama, like a turgaman. What does it mean? What, what was the job of the turgaman? The job of the turgaman was to translate things. The turgaman did his translations, balpeh, which essentially, with the, with the Gemara Tzadim Malavir, is the following case. Imagine you're reading from a Megillah, and the sofer left out, left out a bunch of psukim, or a couple of words. So the, bal, the balkore is well-versed. He just reads what's missing, balpeh, to which the Gemara says, Yotzah, go Yotzeh. The Gemara says, really? If you have letters that were smudged or letters that were torn, if the outline of the letter is recognizable, then ultimately the Megillah is kasher. But ultimately, if not, it's pasal. I will say, what do you see from this b'risa? You can have letters that are a little bit smudged or a little bit ripped, but what? But what? They need to be there. They need to be there. That contradicts what we just said before, because the previous prices seem to indicate that even if the letters are missing, halacha lamaisa, the Megillah is still good. Lo kasha, habikula, habimitsasa. The Gemara says it's not a contradiction. It depends. Is the Megillah missing? It literally, again, bakula. And I will say kula doesn't have to mean all of it. Rather, what does kula mean? A majority of it. One case is talking about a situation where the Megillah is missing the majority of the letters. The other case is only when there are a couple of letters missing here and there. Ten Rabbanon, Hishmit Bahakore Pasik Echad, Lo Yomar Ekras Kula, Vaachakach Ekras Osa Pasik. Supposed to listen to this. What happens if the Bahakore forgot a Pasik? Right, it could happen, he got mixed up, there was a very labor Haman, right? He went ahead and he messed up, he, he skipped the Pasik. And then he only realizes afterwards he skipped it. So he shouldn't say, you know what, let me finish up. And then I'll go back and read the Pasek that I missed. Ella, Kore me'osa Pasek ve'elach. Rather, I will say, if the Balkore realizes that he missed the Pasek, what's the halacha? He's got to go back to the place where he messed up and continue reading from there. Nichnas le'vesak nesas u'matzat sibar shekaru chatzia. I say, this is a great case. Let's say you come to shul late. Rachmana l'tzlan. Right? So I'll say, so what, so what happens? The person comes late. 
and they missed, they missed, let's say, the first chapter of the Megillah. So a person says, okay, you know what, not a big deal. What will I do? A person can't say, let me just catch, right? let, let me start with the Tzibor right now where they are. Right? I'll start where they are. And then I'll read the other half of my own, or I'll catch the first chapter of the second meaning, right? It doesn't work. Rather, I will say again, one must read the Megillah from beginning to end. Now, I will say, now I will tell you in that particular, I'm sorry. So, no, so, right, so I'm not saying good. This, of course, remember, if you come to Shon, you happen to have your own cloth. Okay, so technically speaking, you could read on your own and catch up with the Tzibor. Let's say, no, let's say the Balkori is very slow. So technically, you could come, read from your own cloth, catch up, and then be Yotzi like that. That that works. That works. What I can't do, the Mishnah is saying, the Gemara is saying over here is, you know, read part of it with one Tzibor and then the previous part. In other words, remember, essentially what it's saying is you can't read the Megillah out of order. So therefore, again, you have to read the Megillah in order. So if you came late, if you have your own cloth, you could read and catch up. But if you don't have your own cloth, you really have to wait for a second minion in order to be able to hear the Megillah in its entirety. Good. Misnam name Yatsa. If you read the Megillah, misnam name, dozing. You are Yotze. What's Misnam? They both have had this many times. Amravashi, nim below nim, tier below tier. You are awake but not fully awake, asleep and, or I should say, asleep and not fully asleep, awake but not fully awake. The Karulevaani, somebody calls you, you'll answer. But if somebody asks you a deeper question, you don't know how to answer with, you know, you, you don't know how to answer with a deeper answer. So the Gemara says, But when someone reminds you of something, you'll be reminded. Okay, so I think we all know what this particular state is. You know, like, uh, you know, right, many of us spend most of our lives in this state, you know, but, but the, 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 the idea over here is that a person is kind of, you know, awake but not of good, misnamed. Says the Gemara, so this is actually very interesting that the Mishnah says, listen to this case, if a person is writing, kosa means writing, darsha means learning, magia means fixing or correcting. So in that case, in kibin liboyatsa, if while you're doing these processes, you have kavana to be yotze, the mitzvah of Megillah, you're yotze. Says the Gemara, I don't understand, hey chidami, what's the case? So we'll say, I don't understand. If we're literally talking about a case where I'm writing a Megillah as, as I'm reading, in other words, I'm writing the Pasuk and reading the Pasuk, that's Kore Alpeh. Because the Pashtos, the, the way that sounds like is, I'm the, right, I'm the Sofer slash Bal Kore, right? Could I write it down? That's Alpeh, right? That's by heart. So how does that work? The kasa psuka psuka, the karli. No, no, rather what it must mean is you write a pasuk and then you read it. So right, I write down that whole pasuk and then I read it. And then I read it. The Gemara says, Umi Yatsa, still that doesn't work. Well, so we're going to see the next Mishnah. There's a machlokes. How much of the Megillah do you have to read in order to be Yotze? So we're going to see it's a machlokes. We pass and you have to read the Megillah in its entirety. But even according to the opinion who says you only have to read part of it, we'll discuss which part. Everyone agrees that even if you don't have to read the Megillah in its entirety in order to be Yotze, what do you need? What do you need? A fully written Megillah. That's for sure. 
To which the Gemara says, Rabbi so how could it be that I'm writing a Pasuk, reading it, writing a Pasuk and reading it, I have an incomplete Megillah. Ela, de mancha Megillah kamei, vikari leminei psuka psuka, vikasavla. Oh, now they will say, what's the case of the Mishnah? The case of the Mishnah is like this. I have a complete Megillah, right? I have a complete Megillah sitting right next to me. What am I doing? I'm copying from that Megillah, right? And I'm writing a new Megillah, right? Vikari le psuka psuka, vikasavla. So essentially, what I have is as follows. I have a full, I have a full Megillah. I read the Pasuk from the full Megillah, and then I copy it into my new Megillah, right? And the Mishnah says that that works. And I will say, again, interestingly enough, it works. Why? Because where am I reading from? Where am I reading from? A complete Megillah. Now, you're supposed to think to yourself, of course, why wouldn't that work? So remember again, the Havamina that it wouldn't work is because I'm actively engaged in writing a Megillah as opposed to fully vested or fully involved in reading the Megillah. So you might have thought that that type of distracted reading is not a proper reading. Kamashmalon it is. So the Gemara says, So this supports the idea that in general, when writing, when writing Kisve Kodesh, you cannot write Kisve Kodesh by heart. Right? You must be cop- copying from a fully complete text. And this seems to support that ideal. To which the Gemara says, not necessarily, Dilma is the Isrami le Isramuye. Maybe not. Maybe it just happens to be that this case is where you had a fully completed Megillah in front of you. But Einachinami, not, not for Hilchos Megillah purposes, but for Hilchos writing Kisve Kodesh purposes, you don't have to write from a fully completed text. Okay? Gufa, Amra, Abshabal says, discuss this. Gufa, Amra, Rabbi Barbachan, Amra, Yochanan. You're not allowed, we'll say, when you're writing Kisei Kodesh, you're writing a Sefer, writing a Sefer Torah, you're writing a Megillah, you can't write it Baal Peh. You can't write it by heart. You have to write it, copying it out of a different, complete Sefer. So, I'll ask a Kasha, we'll say, watch this. One time, Rabbi Shimon Alazar went to declare a leap year in the city of Asya. And in Asya, he, he didn't have a Megillah. Because remember, remember again, which month do you always declare as a leap month, as the additional month? Adar. So he went to Asya, and I guess he was stuck in Asya for Purim, and he did not have a Megillah with him. And what did he do? He wrote it by heart. He wrote it by heart. So he wrote down a Megillah by heart. And he read it. So I will say, so what do you see over here? You see from here that you can write down a Megillah, right? You can write Kisvei Kodesh even without copying from a fully, a fully written text. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. I'm Rabbi Abba, Shani Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir is different. So we'll say, which literally means Afapecha, your, your, your pupils, your, your pupils, your eyes, right? Yashu Negdecha will be straight in front of you. What does this mean? So we'll say, this refers to Torah. So we'll say, this Loshan of Afapecha, Yashur Eidecha means you see things exactly as they are. You see things exactly as they are. You seek, you have clarity. Torah is clear for you. Because as the Pasuk says, literally what ends up happening is, if you close your eyes, it is no longer. So I will say, I just want to point out what's happening over here. These psukim, the Gemara's understanding over here, 
are both a reference to both a reference to Torah. So Shlomo Melech writes in Mishlei, "Einecha lenochach yabitu afapecha yashir negdecha." So Shlomo is saying that when a person has Torah, so when a person has Torah, they have clarity. So you both say, Isn't it, "We know this, by the way." When I learn, when I learn, right, and 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 I'm serious about my learning, committed to my learning, I see the world in a different way. And I see life in a different way. And I see myself in a different way. And I have a certain level of clarity in life that I have when I'm not learning. On the flip side, Shlomo says, also Torah, <laughs> Literally, again, you could blink your eyes and it's gone. See, I will say, the great anomaly of spirituality is you could work on something for years to amass it and then you could blink and lose it. In other words, we know this. This is the way Ruchnius works. You say it's not true. Any any other skill that you work on to build up, you know, if you if you have it and you acquire it, you hold on to it. Spirituality is the kind of thing you can work for years. One misstep, right? One misstep, one mistake, and I could lose everything. It doesn't mean I can't regain it, but I could lose it. I could lose my I could lose my way. Don't don't we experience this all the time? I'm on such a good trajectory. I'm doing everything I need to do. I'm living the way I need to live. I'm I'm keeping my Yitzhahara in check. And then like I make a mistake, I make a misstep, I do something wrong, I fall off the spiritual wagon, and like I feel like all of the growth that I had up until this moment, it just evaporated. It just evaporated. Or the same thing with Torah. A person has a commitment to Torah, but then I, you know, I, I, I don't honor the commitment for a couple of days. You know, I, I, whatever it is, or whatever, whatever. And I lose that momentum. It's the great anomaly of spirituality. If you blink, if you close your eyes for a moment, you could lose everything that you worked so hard to gain. In any event, in this particular situation, what the Gemara is saying about Rabbi Meir, right? Rabbi Meir had absolute clarity of Torah. So because he had absolute clarity of Torah, he was able to record the Megillah Balta. Normally you shouldn't do it. You should copy from a text. Rabbi Meir has such clarity, he could copy it even by heart. Who was writing down Svarim, but he wasn't copying from a text. He was doing it by heart. The truth is, so listen to this, the truth is, you are fit to write down the entire Torah. You're fit. However, But what are you going to do? Chazal said, you're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed to do it. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, that the fact that you are fit to go and write down the entire Torah Baal means that Rav Hanano had perfect vision of Torah. And yet, what do we see? What's going on over here? You just said from the Rabbi Meir story, the Rabbi Meir went to go ahead and declare the new month in, As- in Asya that he wrote down a Megillah Baal why was he allowed to do that? Because he had such clarity of Torah. Yet, when Rav Chista finds Rav Hanano, Rav Chista says, Rav Hanano, you too, Rav Hanano, possess such clarity of Torah, but you still can't write down Svarim Baal Peh. So what's going on over here? To which the Gemara says, this is a simpler answer, Shas Hadchak Shani, which I suppose I seem to be the answer from the beginning. The Rabbi Meir case is not a good raya. Why is it not a good proof? It was a Shas Hadchak. Bose was extenuating circumstances. Remember, he's stuck in Asya without a Megillah. Why does the whole story start, right? Why does the whole story start? 
the whole story starts because he doesn't have a Megillah. So he doesn't have a Megillah. That's why he's writing it down Baal Okay, extenuating circumstances. Someone who is cloudy of Torah is permitted to write it down. But in any other case where you don't have those extenuating circumstances, you don't have the license to write Baal Peh. Incredible. Abai Shari So was very interesting. Abaye allowed the scribes of Bar Chavu to go ahead and write down Tfilin and Mezuzos Baal Peh. Right? We're not copying from a, from a text. Kiman, Kiai Tana, Tisanya Rabbi Yermio, Mishra Rabbeinu, Tfilin Mezuzos, Nechtavo Shlomen Aksav. So I'll say, Tfilin and Mezuzos don't have to be written from a text. Now, say, now what's the logic behind that? Because, every, first of all, they're short, and also everyone is familiar with those Parshios. Because they are familial partials, they do not have to be copied from an established text. Furthermore, again, when writing the partials of Tzulun Mezuzos, you don't need to etch in the lines like you need by a Sefer Torah or by Megillah. And I will say this indeed is the Aloha. Tzulun and Tzulun Sirtut. Number one, Tzulun don't require etched lines in the parchment. Mezuzos Tzulun Sirtut, but Mezuzos do. And ultimately, again, I gave away the punchline. Both of them, both of them can be written even Balpa. The Sufra can write it Balpa. My time Migras Grisin. What's the reason about saying? Because people are familiar with the parashios. So because people know these parashios, therefore Allah Khamaiz can even read a Balpa. Incredible, incredible. But let's go back there. Because remember again, the Mishnah said that Halakh Lamaisa, there are certain types of inks you are not allowed to use. For the Megillah. So the Mishnah says, Sam is Sama. These are all the forbidden inks. Sam is Sama. Right? Sikra, Amra, Barachana, Sakarta, or Sakrasa. So Sikra is some type of reddish ink. Sakrasa Shema. Kumos is Kuma. What's Kumos? It's Kuma, which is Sam. Top of your test. Kankonsum. What's Kankonsum? Kharsa du Ushbahi. It's black make, uh, shoemaker's black polish. Right, the Gemara says. So I will say those are all the types of forbidden inks, ultimately because they don't endure. Now remember again, the Mishnah also said you can only write a Megillah on cloth, as opposed to diftera and niyar, which you're not allowed to use. What's diftera? Demaliach the kamech for the office. Well, it's very interesting. At least in the, uh, historically, the way, used, they, the way they used to make parchment, I will say, was that you would go in, you would take the, the parchment, and you would treat it with a solution of water and flour. And then you would coat it afterwards with gallnut juice. So, dif- so diphthora is unfully processed parchment. In other words, that ultimately it was treated with the water and flour solution, but Allah said not with the gallnuts. What's niar? Niar is machka, which is translated here as papyrus. So Rashi says over here, it's min asavim asuyadeya devex. This is interesting. Papyrus is paper made of, of herbs, or, or I should say of grass. Min asavim, different types of grass that are compressed together. Okay, so you can't use that for Megillah. Beautiful. So remember again, the, Megillah, the, the Mishnah said that the Megillah has to be written in Ashuris, has to be written in Hebrew, and Hebrew script, Good. On a piece of parchment and with Dio. We're to make a Xer Shava. It says over here that Estramalko wrote down the Megillah Uksiv Hasam, Vayomer Lahem, Baruch Mipiv Yikara, I'm sorry, Vayomer Lahem, Vayomer Lahem, sorry, in Yermio, Vayomer Lahem, Baruch Mipiv Yikara Eli, Ace Kola Advarma Elevani, Kosef Al Hasefer 
Ubidio. So we'll say, interesting enough, you have this positive from Yermia, and the positive from Yermia says that whenever you see the word Ksiva, what does Ksiva mean? Basefer, which means on parchment, and Dio, which means proper ink. Beautiful. But say, says the Mishnah, such exciting Gemara, says the Mishnah, Ben Ir Shahalach Lekrach, this is a great case, Ben Ir Shahalach Lekrach, Ben Krach Shahalach Leir. So let's listen to this case. What I remember, going back to, going back to the beginning of Masechus Megillah, like Megillah 101, that Beis Amadalaf, what's the halacha? So remember again, unwalled cities read on the 14th. Walled cities read on the 15th. So watch this case. Ben Ir Shahalach Lekrach. So say, let's say you have someone who lives in an unwalled city who goes to a walled city. Or Ben Krach Shahalach Leir. Or a person who lives in a walled city ultimately goes to an unwalled city. So I will say, what's the Shaila? What's the Shaila? When do I read the Megillah? When do I read the Megillah? So it says the mission, it depends. Im Asid, Im Asid, Lach Zorlim Komo. If ultimately you're going to go home, right, for Purim, you're going to be home for Purim in where you live, Kore Kim Komo. Then you read in accordance with the minog of your hometown. I will say, we'll see exactly how this plays out. Ve'im love, but if you're not going to be going home for Purim, then kore imahen, you read in accordance with the reading of the city in which you're in. So I will say, interesting halacha. Umehechon ad kore adam. Again, we'll see, we'll define that in just a moment. Umehechon kore adam asa megillah. We just mentioned this before. How much of the megillah do you have to read in order to be yotze? So says the Gemara. So the, I'm sorry. But, uh, so, Reimer Omer Kula. Reimer says you have to read the entire Megillah. Rabbi Huda Omer Mi'ish Yehudi Mi'ish Yehudi. Rabbi Huda says we'll say from the section Ish Yehudi Ayab Shushan Abira when we are first introduced to Mordechai, which again is the beginning of the second chapter. Okay, so Machlokis, how much of the Megillah do you have to read? So, so really, it's just the Machlokis of, do you have to read the first chapter or not? So it says the Gemara, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi has a diff- third opinion, Me'achar Hadvarim Ha'ila. So we'll say, this is actually chapter three in the Megillah. This talks about, again, when Achashverosh elevated Haman. Me'achar Hadvarim Ha'ila, Kiva Amalach Achashverosh as Haman. So we'll say, three-way Machlokis. First opinion, entire Megillah. Second opinion, from when we're introduced to Mordechai. Third opinion from when we're introduced to Achashverosh. Beautiful. So let's focus on the first part of the Mishnah. Amar Rava. So remember again, first part of the Mishnah, you have someone who lives in one city. Let's say again, Ben Hir Shalach Lekrach. So someone who lives in an unwalled city is now finds himself in a walled city. So we'll say, so what's the Shailah? So what's the Shailah? So think about this in just a moment. So let's see the Gemara. says the Gemara. Amar Rava. Lo Shonu El Shasid Lachzar Belele Yudalid. We'll say, when does this Shailah come up? This Shaila comes up is if you plan on going home the night of the 14th. Let me frame this for you in the easiest way. So we'll say, so now watch this. Watch this. Let's say I live in Yerushalayim. I live in Yerushalayim, which means that I am a Ben Tesvav. I read Megillah on the 15th. But now I find myself in Tel Aviv. I'm doing Kiruf, right? Right, I find myself, right? I find myself in Tel Aviv, right? So, so what happens? I find myself in Tel Aviv. So now I'm, on Tel, I'm in Tel Aviv on the, on the night of the 14th. So what's my Shaila? What's my Shaila? In Tel Aviv, everybody's going ahead and what? Going to Shul for Mikra Megillah. So the Shaila is, do I have to go to Shul or not for Mikra Megillah? So the Gemara says, everything depends on where am I going to be the morning of the 14th. Where am I going to be the morning of the 14th? If at the end of the day, right, if at the end of the day, I'm going to be leaving town before the morning of the 14th, then I don't celebrate 
Purim with the people of Tel Aviv. Instead, I'll celebrate when I get back to Yerushalayim. But if I'm going to be in Tel Aviv still on the morning of the 14th, even though, again, I'll be back in Yerushalayim by the 15th, Halacha Lamaisa, I celebrate with Tel Aviv. So essentially, the Gemara is saying is everything is dependent on where you're going to be the morning of Purim. The morning of Purim. I will say, this goes back to what we said before, that the Iker reading of the Megillah is by day. Is by day. Right? That, that's the Iker reading. So wherever you're going to be by day, that determines your obligation. So it says, the Gemara Loshon, Elisha Asid Laksar Balele Yudalid. Aval Ein Asid Laksar Balele Arbasar Kore Iman. So I will say, this is interesting. When do we say that you should read like wherever you are in accordance with the minute where you are? That's assuming you're going to be in your particular location on the morning of the 14th. But if you're not going to be there in the morning of the 14th, then halacha you read in accordance with your minute. We'll say, look at Rashi for just a moment. Or I should look at previous Rashi. Lo shanu quickly. Lo shanu the bank crack shalach leir. The asid lachsolim komo kori bechamisha sovelavar. So when do we say that if a ben krach, right, someone who lives in Yerushalayim, is now in Tel Aviv, that if he's going to go home, ultimately again he reads in accordance with Yerushalayim and not Tel Aviv. Ela she asid lachsor balela barasar. In kodem amod ashachar yotza min ha'ir. If I'm leaving Tel Aviv before dawn on the fourteenth. Ultimately, again, see here what, here's what the Gemara is saying. If I live in Yushalayim, but I'm going to be in Tel Aviv on the day of the 14th, then I am, what, I, I am what's called a Ben Pruz or a Ben Pruz Ben Yomo. I am a one day resident of an unwalled city. If you are in an unwalled city on the morning of the 14th, you read Megillah with them. So the Gemara says, But if I'm not going to be there on the morning of the 14th, then I read in accordance with my domicile, with my home. Good. So it says, So how do you know this? How do you know this? So listen to this. So the, because the Megillah says, Therefore the Jews who live in the, right, the Jews of the cities who dwell in the cities, what does that mean? It said the Jews who live, who, Jews of the cities. Why does it have to say who dwell in the cities? So it's very interesting. It teaches us that what? That you could be a one day resident of an unwalled city. How can you be a, a one day resident of an unwalled city? If you find yourself the morning of the 14th in an unwalled city, even though you yourself live in a walled city, you celebrate Purim like them. To which the Gemara says, Ashkechan Pruz. So we'll say, okay, I got it. So now I understand if I live in a walled city, but I find myself in an unwalled city, in an unwalled city, on the day of the 14th, I have to read in accordance with the unwalled city. However, Mukov Minalan, we'll say, I don't know that the reverse is true as well. Let's say, let's say I live in an unwalled city. I live in an unwalled city. And halacha lamaisa, so I say I live in Tel Aviv, and now I'm visiting Yerushalayim. So now, how do I know that the same halacha applies, I will say? It, it's all dependent, where am I going to be on the morning of the 14th? If at the end of the day, on the morning of the 14th, I'm still going to be in Yerushalayim, so I will say, so where do I celebrate Purim? How do I celebrate Purim? Right? In Yerushalayim on the 15th, assuming that I'm still going to be staying there. Right? But Lamaisa, again, I don't know that the reverse applies as well. So the, which the Gemara says, Svarahu. It's a Svarah. Mi de pruz ben yomo karoi pruz. 
Mukov ben Yomo Kari Mukov. But say if you could be a one day resident of an unwalled city, then what? You could be a one day resident of a walled city. So I will say if you take a quick look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Rashi says, Aval in Asid. You see that Rashi? So Rashi says over if you skip down a little bit in there, um, just look at this quick case. The same Allah is what we just read. If someone who lives in a walled city, Ben I'm sorry, someone who lives in an unwalled city, goes to, I live in Tel Aviv, but now I find myself in Yerushalayim. Im Asid I'm sorry, I said that wrong. It's not about the 14th, it's about the 15th. Im Asid Lachzor Belele Tesvav, Shelo Sham, Biyom Tesvav, Lo Havim Boko. So I will say, the same halacha that applies to an unwalled city applies to a walled city. So remember again, in an unwalled city, what is everything dependent on? What is everything dependent on? Where you're going to be the morning of the 14th. In a walled city, what does everything depend on? Where are you going to be the morning of the 15th? Right? Same so the, the Rashi says, Shlo yeisham biyom tesvav lo habi mokaf liyomo v'kore biyudalid kichovos mikamo v'afa pishahu bikrach. So we'll say, this is very important. Listen to this case. The, the, the second case is a little bit more confusing than the first. In this case, we'll say, I live in Tel Aviv. I am in Yerushalayim, right? So let's assume, by the way, that I'm coming to Yerushalayim already on the night of the 14th. So we'll say, so now again, I live in Tel Aviv. If I was home, I'd be reading the Megillah that night. But now I'm in Yerushalayim. So what do I do on the night of the 14th in Yerushalayim? So we'll say, what does it depend on? What does it depend on? Where am I going to be the morning of the 15th? If I'm going to be in Yerushalayim, so then that year I'm going to celebrate Purim like Yerushalayim. But if I'm not going to be in Yerushalayim on the morning of the 15th, so I will say, when do I read Megillah? When do I read Megillah? On the 14th. So I will say, this is an interesting case. So you could have a situation where a person in Yerushalayim is reading the Megillah on the 14th of Adar. Some good Shabbos table trivia. When can you ever, not, not trivial, like, you know, you understand what I mean. Very important. But say, so, so again, you, so you could have a person who's in Yerushalayim, but still reading on the 14th. When can you have a situation like that? I live in Tel Aviv. I'm visiting Yerushalayim now, but I'm leaving before the morning of the 15th. If that's the case, I'm going to read the Megillah on the 14th in the morning and the 14th in, or the 14th at night and the 14th in the morning. But again, if I plan on staying in Yerushalayim through the 15th, or I'll be there the morning of the 15th, I read like Yerushalayim. Incredible. Incredible. Amarava. Ben ben kahu, ben So we'll say, now there is a third case, which is interesting, which is what about if you have a villager? So we'll say, because remember again, we're speaking about two categories of people, right? Talking about people who live in a city, a walled city, and an unwalled city. There is technically a third category, which are the villagers. Well, so remember again, what do the villagers have the right to do? They have the right to move to the, to the closest market day, right? To the closest Monday or Thursday. So listen to this case. What about Amar Ben Kfar Shehalach Ben, so we'll say, if you listen to this, if you have a villager who went to a city, either way, he reads like the city, unwalled city. So we'll say, listen to this, because the villager, we'll say, what is a village, halachically, what is a village really like? What is a village like? An unwalled city. The only reason why a village has a license to move around this reading is because Chazal were makal on them in order to free them up on Purim since they're providing food and drink to the larger cities. However, that license to move your day of reading is only when you are in the village. 
But if you're in the city, ultimately again, if you're in the city, then Mamash, you are treated like a resident of the city. Incredible. Sabai says, if you have a resident of a city, right, a walled city, that went to an unwalled city, either way he reads, like the unwalled city, so the, I'm sorry, kori kim komo, he reads like his locale. We'll say one second, we just said before, if you live in a walled city, you come to visit an unwalled city, everything is dependent on when, when you plan on leaving. Ultimately, again, rather, it means a villager. What it means to say is as follows. So, say a villager. If a villager is in a is in a large city, an unwalled city, will say, when does he read? When does he read? Like the, on the 14th, like the unwalled city. And it, we don't care when he plans on going back because halacha if he's in the city on the 14th, that's his real halacha, right? Uh, there really is no distinction with the villagers. The villages are treated like unwalled cities. But halacha l'maysef, there's a dispensation when he's going to be in the village and he's providing food and drink to the larger cities. We'll say, remember again, let's like we saw, not all villages have the right to move the date of, of Mikra Megillah, right? It's only those villages that what? That what? actively provide food and drink to the larger cities. But let's say you live in a village that doesn't do that. Then when do you read Megillah? When do you read Megillah? On the 14th. Therefore, I will say, what it turns out we have is as follows. Halakha say any time. So, so let's, we have three cases, essentially. Case number one is, I live in Yerushalayim, but I find myself now in Tel Aviv on the 14th. So the Shaila now is, do I have to celebrate Purim together with the residents of Tel Aviv on the 14th? And what's the answer? What's the answer? It depends. What does it depend on? Where am I going to be the morning of the 14th? If I'm still going to be in Tel Aviv, then I celebrate together with Tel Aviv. But if I'm going to be leaving that night, any time before dawn, and I'm going to be back in Yerushalayim, then Allah I celebrate, I celebrate Purim on the 15th together with the other residents of the walled city. If I, if I, if I live in Yerushalayim, I'm sorry, if I live in Tel Aviv, but I find myself in Yerushalayim, when do I celebrate Purim? And the answer is, when do, what does it depend on? Where am I going to be the morning of the 15th? If the morning of the 15th, I'm going to be in Yerushalayim, then I celebrate like Yerushalayim. But if before the morning of the 15th, I am leaving Yerushalayim, then I celebrate like my own 14th, and I'll be reading Megillah on the 14th in Yerushalayim itself. Villages, villagers who find themselves in large cities, when do they read? When do they read? On the 14th, just like large cities, because the dispensation for villagers ultimately is only when they are A, in their villages, and B, when they are the type of village that ultimately goes ahead and supplies food and drink to the larger cities. Incredible. Incredible. So we'll say, let's go back there. So Mehechel Kori Adam HaSamegillah. So most of had, how much of the Megillah do you have to read in order to be Yosei? Three-way Machlokes, right? So again, we go ahead, we have Rabbi Huda saying, sorry, Rabbi Meir is saying all of it. Rabbi Huda is saying from Ishudi, from Mordechai. Rabbi Yossi is saying from Haman. So let's analyze. Tanya, Rashbi Roshim HaYachai, Omer Mibalailahu, we'll say a fourth opinion. Rashbi says, Mibalailahu, Nadedash Nasamelech. When can you begin to read the Megillah? And Biotia will say, listen to this. This is pretty wild. Chapter 6. Now, this is a popular opinion, right? They'll say, chapter 6. 
pretty much at the end of the Megillah. This is from the episode where Achashverosh can't sleep that night. We just, we just learned about this. Achashverosh can't sleep that night. Remember, again, there's hammering going on in the courtyard. They're erecting the gallows. He can't sleep. This is when he remembers Mordechai. So Rashbi says, that's where you have, that, that's really the, 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 I want to be clear. Everyone's agreeing that ideally, what should you read? What should you read? Right? The entire Megillah. Their shail is, okay, what's the bare minimum? So Rashbi says from Mibalai Lahahu, so the truth is, all three, all four now of these opinions are actually all darshaning the same pasuk. So watch this. So the pasuk says, tokef. So I'll say, listen to this. So the pasuk says, Estra Malka and Mordechai Yudi wrote kol tokef. Kol tokef means the entire. Tokef means strength, but it really means the totality of the story. They recorded the essence, the totality of the story. Says the Gemara, Man Kula, Tok for So the Shailas, when we speak about the Tokef, the strength of the story, who's Tokef? Right? Ultimately, again, whose strength should we record? Right? Whose strength is the dominant part of the story? So the Man said, Kula, says, Yeah, read the entire Megillah, Tok for Really, they recorded the strength of Achashirosh. So, in other words, the most powerful person in this story is Achashirosh. Mandar mi Ishihudi, Tokfashal Mordechai. The one who says from Ishihudi, the essence of the Megillah is the strength of Mordechai. Umandar mi Acharad Ramaila, Tokfashal Haman. Others say, no, 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 the real strength of the story, or the essence of the story, is the story of Haman. Umandar mi Lailahu, Tokfashal Nes. And the one who says, mi Balailahahu, what's the essence of the story? Both say, the essence of the story is the strength of the miraculous kind of. Underpinnings of the story. Rafuna Rafuna says, So I'll say this interesting Pasik. Pasik says, Pasik says, Purim, It's a strange phrase. and what did they see? About this, and what happened to them. So we'll say, watch this. Rafuna Darshan is this pasuk. Man Kula, the one who says you have to read the Megillah in its entirety. Why? So we'll say, how did the whole Purim story start? It started because Achashverosh decided. Remember, the grand feast was Achashverosh's decision to use the utensils of the Beis Hamikdash. Right? Why did he do this? Right? Al-Kacha. Why did he do it? Mishum dechashiv shiv mishanavalo ifrik. He thought the 70 years had come. Klal Yisrael had not been redeemed. And therefore he felt this was cause for celebration. Umahigia elehem. And therefore what happened as a result? The Kotl Vashti. Vashti was killed. And Abba said the death of Vashti opens the door for Esther and the miracle of Purim. Uman damar mi Yehudi, and the one who says you read from Yehudi, ma'ra'a Mordechai de'ikni Haman al-kacha, why is it, why did Mordechai behave in the way that he did to provoke Haman? Tishavi nafshi avod because he felt that Haman made himself into an idol. Uma'agi'alehem, and what happened as a result? The Israchish Nisa, a miracle occurred and the Jews were saved. The one who says, you have to read from Acharad Ramah Why did Haman become so angry and jealous, literally so, so worked up over the Jews? About this, Mishum, Mordechai refused to bow down. What happened to Haman? Ultimately, again, he, together with his sons, were hanged. Why 
Why did Achashverosh choose to bring the Book of Remembrance? That Esther invited Haman to the party of Achashverosh. So we'll say, remember, we saw before, Esther's plan, part of, according to this one approach, Esther's plan was to kind of sow some seeds of doubt in the mind of Achashverosh that maybe something was happening with Haman. And apparently, says it worked. It worked. Haman's tossing and turning that night. Why? Why did she invite? Why did she invite Haman? What's going on over here? We'll say the halacha is that in order to be yotzi the mitzvah of Megillah, you have to read the Megillah in its entirety. And even from the opinion who says that you only have to do from Ishihudi, so we'll say ultimately again, still, even if you hold that you don't have to read the entire Megillah, you must read from a fully written Megillah. Everyone agrees you need the Megillah fully written. To which the Gemara says, That's how we paskin. We paskin the Megillah. We have, you have to read the Megillah in its entirety. So we pass like the first opinion of the Mishnah that you have to read Kuli. You have to read the entire Megillah. So we'll say, listen to this. It's very interesting. Megillah is called a Sefer. And it's also called in Igeres, a letter. Nikres Sefer, Shintafra Bechute Pishtam Sula. It's called a Sefer. And therefore, if you tie the parchment, the pieces of parchment together with pieces of flax, ultimately, again, it is invalid. Or pieces of linen, it's invalid. The Nikra Igeres, and it's called, because like a Sefer has to be tied together with Gidin, with sinews. But it's called in Igeres, Shem Hitl Chute Gidin Kshera. So you must listen to this. A Sefer Torah has to be, the, the, the pieces of parchment have to be fully stitched together. Now you leave unstitched space on the top and on the bottom, but the entire thing has to be stitched. A Megillah is called an Igeras, and therefore, if all you did was put in there three equidistant stitches, you're Yotzi as well, it's fine. So the Gemara says, So that's it, have to be equidistant. Let's say, interesting case. Let's say you have a scroll. So we'll say, so again, it's called the Sefer, and therefore, as we said before, has to be written on parchment, has to be written on Dio, and ultimately, again, has to be sewn together with Gidin animal sinews. But it's also called an Igeres, that whereas a Sefer has to be fully stitched, a Megillah could just have three stitches and as long as they're equidistant, you're good to go. Good. So we'll say Baiter. Says the Listen to this interesting case. We'll say, let's say you have a scroll that has all five Megillas in it. Right? One scroll with all five Megillas. So let's say now you want to use that to read Megillas Esther. So the Gemara says that if you read of a, a Megillah that is written together with other Megillas, lo yatsa. You're not Yotze. You're not Yotze. Rashi says, why is that? Because since the Megillah is called an Igeres, it's called a letter, it has to be read from its own scroll. And Rashi actually says because when it's read from its own scroll, it is greater Persuminisa. There's greater publicity of the miracle. Since if, right, if the Megillah gets its own scroll, there's a greater Persuminisa. So therefore, Allah says, if you read it in a scroll that has many other Megillahs in it, you're not Yotzev. Rav Amar Rav, Rav says, Lo Amar El Dlo Mechasra O Miasra Porta. Ava Mechasra Miasra Porta, Leslanba. So this is very interesting. So Rav says, however, you could have Megillah's Esther written with other scrolls as long as what? the pieces of parchment that are Megillah's Esther are a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller. In other words, if they differ in size, 
from the other pieces of parchment, then that could work. So the most lady bar shmuel have a kakari kamei rabbi huda b'megillah haksu ba'amadeis bein haksudim. Supposed to listen to this. So Levi Bar Shmuel, Levi Bar Shmuel was reading from a Megillas Esther that was written together with other Megillos. Interesting enough, that was written in a scroll together with other Megillos. Amr we learn that Megillas Esther has to be its own, its own separate Igeras. So they turn this ruling on its head. When is this so? Betzibor shano. Ultimately, I will say, when is this so? Only betzibor. Right? So if you're reading betzibor, you need to read from a separate independent cloth of Megillah Sester. But apparently, if you're reading by yourself and you happen to have a scroll made up of Chamesh Megillos, right? Or of Tanakh, and you want to read Megillah Sester from that, ultimately, again, that would work. Abos said the Shia Tafar Rashi says over here, Keshatovrin Yerios shall say for Torah lechavan Yachad umisharim b'tefar l'malim lata. Abos listen I just mentioned this before. If you ever see on a Sefer Torah, the entire piece of parchment is stitched together with the one next to it, except there's a little bit on top and a little bit on the bottom that is unstitched. So the so the Gemara suggests that shear of or that concept of leaving the top and bottom unstitched, that is a halacha l'Moshe Misinai umachale amucha. But they turn this ruling on its head. It's logic. What's the logic? I will say because we do hagba, you have to give a little bit of pull on the scroll. If you don't give a little bit of pull, what's going to end up happening? It's, it rips apart. So therefore, you leave the top unstitched, the bottom unstitched. That gives a little bit of pull. And I will say chasher. What it also does is. Should for some reason again things come apart, hopefully it'll tear on the chas of shalom, it'll tear on the seam and not on the piece of parchment itself. So let's listen to this. Remember again, both Moshe Rabbeinu and Elio Hanavi were placed in a cave, and the Shechina passed by that cave. Right, the Shechina passed by. So the Gemara says, but in both cases, the Ribbono Shal Olam, Kiviyachal, put his hand at the entrance of the cave so that neither Moshe nor Elio were able to see what was going on. And the Gemara says, because had they been able to see, then what? They would not have been able to survive. Because as the Pasuk says, a person can't see me and still survive. So I will say, so incredible, you saw it. Even those who get closer, which is incredible, Moser, even those who get closest to HaKadosh Baruch Hu can only get so close to the Ribbon HaShalom. What does it mean when the Pasuk says that literally, again, quoting the Pasuk over here from Dvarim, right, and upon them, that all of the things I shall talk with us from the mountain. So I'll say, listen to this. When Moshe Rabbeinu was on Har Sinai, we sometimes think that all that all Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave him was Aseres Adibros, But it's not true. Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave Moshe Rabbeinu everything. Even to the last detail, even Dikduke Sovrim, things that ultimately again would be introduced later on in history. For example, what? Megillah Esther. 
Megillah Sester. Rehoshayim, which, which highlights the idea, we spoke about this concept, that it is so important to know that there's always a plan. Right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows anything and everything that is always going to occur. We spoke about this last Shabbos. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's the ultimate Yisod, ultimately, of the Ribbon of Shalom. Even Purim HaKadosh Baruch Hu knew there's a plan. The Ribbon Shalom has it all choreographed and somehow, someway, we just have to wait for the plan to actualize. Right? We just have to wait for the plan to become clear. But at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows Moshe everything. Incredible Mishnah. HaKok Sheren Likros Megillah. Everyone is permitted to read the Megillah. Chutz to the cotton, with the exception of a chirish. We'll say, so chirish usually means deaf mute, right? Shota, someone who is deranged, right? Insane. And cotton, a minor. Rabbi Huda says a cotton is permitted to go and read the Megillah. Says the Gemara, man tana chirish di evet namilo. And we'll say, who is the opinion who says that a chirish cannot read the Megillah even bidi evet? Am Rab Nasna Rabbi Yossi. It's Rabbi Yossi. This nan hakori Shema v'Losh Mila Azno Yatsa. If someone read Shema but didn't hear what they were saying, they're Yotze. Rabbi Yossi Omer Lo Yatsa. Rabbi Yossi says, No, you have to be able to hear what you say. So be Pashtos, Rabbi Yossi, who says that by Shema you have to be able to hear what you would say, would say that what a cheresh a cheresh cannot read the Megillah. Why? Why? He can't hear what he's saying. To which the Gemara says, One second. Maybe not. I know it's Rabbi Yossi. Maybe it's Rabbi Huda. And only Lechatchila Chirish can't read the Megillah. But maybe with the Ever he can. To which the Gemara says, No, because remember again, we're quoting over here about a Chirish that is like a Shot and a Katan. Just like a Shot and a Katan, even with the Ever can't read the Megillah. So to a Chirish can't read the Megillah. As well, I the Dilma Hakadis of Hakadis, maybe not. In other words, maybe they're supposed to reckon the three independent cases. Medictani Sefa Rabbi Huda Machshir Rakatan Michlal Dereisha Lav Rabbi Huda. But I say the fact that ultimately again Rabbi Huda comments in the Sefa that a that a Katan is permitted to go and read the Megillah indicates to us that the first part of the Mishnah is not Rabbi Huda. The Dilma Kol Rabbi Huda. Ultimately, again, perhaps all of it is Rabbi Huda. Me Dami Reisha Lapsula Vesefa Lekshera. Maybe it's all Rabbi Huda. Maybe it's all Rabbi Huda. And there are two different types of kitanim. Everyone is permitted to read the Megillah except for a cheresh, a shot, and a cotton. But what type of cotton can't read the Megillah? But maybe again a cotton who reached the age of chinoch. Can read the Megillah, even Lechatchila. So let's stop over here for today. So just know what the Gemara is introducing to us. That maybe when the Mishnah said that a Katan can't read the Megillah, that is a Katan Shalohi Gilechinoch, that did not reach the age of education. Chinoch. But if a Katan reached the age of Chinoch, perhaps he would be fit to read the Megillah to be continued tomorrow.